Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And uh, we are continuing this week with our Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage theme. Uh, and it's uh, it's an exciting week that we have in store for y'all. But before we get sort of too deep into the weeds on that... Uh, we'll we'll do a little bit of a of a personal check in, dear. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I don't know. How are you? I'm well. Um, we've got some personal announcements that I was going to hold for the end of the show, if that's all right. Oh yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, but no, yeah, you know, I always like to to check in every once in a while. And, <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'm sure the listeners are absolutely you know gripping yeah grip to the 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 story of our our personal lives so i thought that i would just run it past you you know see how you're doing Uh, delightful Mm -hmm. thank you (laughs) uh but no it's uh it's a good week i really enjoyed last week's episode uh i think that it went really well yeah Uh, i had a blast um watching the way of the dragon Yes, thank you. I knew that it was Bruce Lee, but the the the, the title was gone. Yeah, no. It's a it's a great one and it certainly is one that, you know, I'm glad that we have on DVD, but but I definitely would like to to get an upgraded version of it cuz mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Um so last week we did cover as we just mentioned Bruce Lee the Way of the Dragon sort of one of the major international movie stars that also you know directed the movie that he starred in Mm -hmm. which is still a rare thing especially the bigger that the movies get yeah yeah so we we went with bruce lee last week this week um we're continuing our theme you know of, of recognizing the history and contributions of of api people in america um and last week we covered some of that history. This week we're going to cover a little bit of a different history. Oh, exciting. Different. And I found, I found like a little fun gem. Uh, and on top of that, we also are kind of looking at two family dramas this week. Yes. And uh, the first one that we're going to be looking at is 1993's The Joy Luck Club which is a a breakaway book that went from like book to to movie pretty quickly and we'll talk about that. And the original film Minari. So it's family dramas but we're also looking at very different time periods. Uh, Minari was 2021. So we're looking at, you know, separated by a lot of time, we're looking at different cultural backgrounds, different perspectives, different locations and regionalities. No, yeah, um... I feel like I saw somewhere in, like, a synopsis for Minari that it's supposed to be the 80s. It is, yes. Okay, okay. But the, the movie itself, yes, was made in, in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of this movie, uh, Joy Luck Club, that is set in 1993 and made in 1993. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, it's it's sort of an interesting look at... at, at um, 
you know, two ways of, of telling uh, the, the family drama storyline. And, and so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fun little episode. And um, before we get too deep into it, I do, uh, how, how do you feel about like the family drama genre overall? Um, I guess I'm, I don't know. It's fine. You know, it's like a music genre that you don't like. If it comes on and you like like a few songs, but for the most part, you could just be like, I mean, if it it could just like not exist, and I'd be like, oh, oh no, you know. Um, I'm not really a big fan, I guess, of like dramas in general, in the sense of like, especially like this. Like, I know I don't think I had like family drama growing up, really. So just like watching a bunch of other people's drama just seems like, I don't know. Like, I can't really connect with it. It's a foreign concept for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't have, like, terrible teenage years, and I didn't hate my mother, you know? So, like, a lot of the things that um, these movies tend to, like, touch on as touch points for... It, are, it just, you know, they're not really for me. Um, not saying anything bad, I guess, about the genre or the people who like the genre um, or who identify... But you with, don't really like, connect in as easily to other genres well you connect to other genres easier than you do to this yes is more what i meant yes um it's just it's it's kind of like i don't know like mob movies for me it's like it's, it's they're fine <laughs> yeah you um, understand why some of them are masterpieces but other than that like this it's kind of like how I felt, I guess, about um, The English Patient, where I was like, it's a really beautiful movie, but like... It's really interesting. I like a lot of the stuff here. Okay. It's a romance. It's a romance movie. You know, that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's a big epic ro- romance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I guess that's... I think that it's funny that we kind of accidentally fell into two family drama movies. Um this week i did you do this on purpose a little bit yeah oh well i didn't know that (laughs) i had no idea about either of these movies you've been doing research (laughs) about these things while while i'm sitting away (laughs) working on people's 401ks um (laughs) delightful but uh i think that everything that you said is pretty fair for me it's not really a a genre that I run to if I'm going to go personal drama family drama usually isn't isn't one that I'm going to go to either because if I'm going to personal drama usually I'm going to something you know sort of unique and niche is something uniquely wrong in that person's perspective or world or something like that you know like a 50 50 thing a young cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. personal drama I'm not really typically drawn to yeah, August Osage County kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I get you. I don't dislike it, and I think that the ones that are really well done, like you kind of said, are very, very well done, but also I'm kind of in the same camp of, of, of you. It's not a genre that I go, oh, there's there's a new version of this coming out. I have to go and see this i love this kind of genre whatever it is i think that that's how the marketing department for christmas movies feel there's like everybody wants another christmas movie (laughs) (laughs) they're begging for them we got to give them 50 options you know really just the demand is high 
<laughs> for Christmas movies. No, absolutely. It's... It's and and I also feel like you know there's there's that bleed over also you know of like the Christmas movie and the family drama oh. and they're both kind of things that no, I'm distinctly yeah. not yeah, interested yeah, 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 in. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, except for I guess like in Christmas movies, they at least like always have a happy ending. You know, yeah. things get tied up in a nice Christmas bow because it's the holidays. Some family dramas just leave it on a bomb. You know, no, honestly, yeah. You're just like, why did I watch two hours of this? I guess some good sort of family dramas, you know, that I sort of like, where where like all of that sort of stuff is at the is at the center point of it. Um, the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, that's fair. That's a that's a that's great. That's a movie. really great example of a family drama. Well, yeah, it's, an, it's also a family drama that's totally up my alley because it's um, Wes Anderson, and you know I love him. Yeah, and it's a little bit more, because he also brings his very particular flair to that genre, that's what I think, tangential thoughts, that's what I think <laughs> is so unique about Wes is that he takes places that you wouldn't normally expect to see his genre or his his visual style, his mm-hmm. visual palette, and he puts it there anyway. Yeah, you know, it's great. But that's also why, like you know, the family drama works there is is because of you know it's it's got its own artistic flair slapped on it instead of you know a lot of family dramas that are like almost like little mini soap operas, you know. No, yeah, you know, so many of them have that that. Uh that melodrama this is us kind of yeah exactly and i'm just i'm not really here for it i i don't need it you know it's just it's not for me i mean drama is interesting to hear about but like i don't really want to be like bombarded with somebody else's drama for like two and a half hours that's a lot you search family drama you get a really weird hodgepodge of ah brave get a really it, it's it's really it's all over the place well, i really enjoy that the hannah montana movie is there i thank goodness i thought that they would have forgotten about it oh i guess they mean family dramas in the sense of like, like it's a dramatic, it's a dramatic movie, movie for, for all family okay yeah. yeah 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 i think that's i think that that's what's happening in this google search yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. i think the mrs doubtfire kind of works it's a family drama. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dad dressing in drag to, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, you know, as always, you have to have that, that unique element. What makes it more than just all of the typical tropes? Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> but I think that that's how I feel also about Christmas movies as well. Yeah, and I guess yeah, that argument, of course, I guess could be applied to any genre. I mean, this is very... not, I suppose, revelatory. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're fair, but, you know, uh, not every genre is for every person. No, that's that's also very true. And I think that it's easier to find unique perspectives in certain genres than it is others. Well, yeah, because I think that some genres do tend to pigeonhole themselves um, more than more than others. Um, absolutely. You know, you lean on the tropes. You, you made that Hallmark movie for cheap and you know yeah. you did. So everything about it is cheap, even the script. Um, moving on, uh, I did want to, you know, I addressed 
that I wanted to bring up some some interesting history with y'all. Yes. Uh, this is kind of a little bit of a fill-in, you know. There's only a, about 20 years from the last episode to, to now's history. Okay, oh. okay. And so in that 20-year window, a lot changes, but also not a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of steps forward, steps back in certain directions and certain places and things like that. So, but there's also some really interesting little pockets. So on the really, really broad spectrum, you know, Asian inclusion in film continues to grow. And a lot, you know, of stars are born from that period. One of the things that also happens is like the 70s, 80s, Moving into the 90s, you get, like, the the action movie boom. But mm-hmm. especially the 80s, you get, like, the big action movie boom. And so you end up having a whole bunch of martial artists and uh, Hong Kong and Asian filmmakers who end up becoming huge international names because of that ability and because of the desire for more of that. Mm-hmm. So that's good in the sense of, of course, you know, that that it is bringing together some some incredible talent around the world, but also then you start to have a lot of, like, pigeonholing into, well, can you do that? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of those sorts of things, you know, in terms of, like, progress across time of, of representation in the time period that we're talking about. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So, uh, you know, you end up getting people like John Woo, Jackie Chan, Jet Li. Um... And overall, there are a lot of movies with Asian leads, or if there are movies with, like, all Asian casts, they're coming out of Hong Kong. There still aren't any movies made that have entirely Asian casts that are funded in Hollywood. You know, anything that has an all-Asian cast is probably coming from out of the country. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Hollywood... Where are they going to find the actors? <laughs> There's just nobody there. Ridiculous. <laughs> and so, you know, they run into all sorts of the of, of issues that we've heard time and time again when we've looked at different groups in, in film and, yes. and representation. And um, ultimately, of course, we do get to Joy Luck Club, which actually ends up being the first all-Asian uh, cast from a Hollywood production. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, looking at the, the cast of players that we have, um, I, I highly doubted while watching it that, that this was filmed anywhere but LA yeah. or like San you know, Francisco. Exactly. Oh, okay. It wasn't San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Good for them. Um, and so that's kind of some of what happens in this 20 year window. Mm-hmm. The interesting little bit of history that I wanted to bring up that happens, happens right after Bruce Lee dies. So he dies in 73. There's this hunger, though, for more Bruce Lee. God, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we had more Bruce Lee? And so this whole genre ends up cropping up of the schlocky B-movie sort of copycat movies of martial arts films out of Hong Kong and and Thailand and certain other places and they're called Bruce exploitation films. Oh my god. Because they go and they start looking for guys 
that look enough like Bruce at certain angles and in the wig and they throw him in there and you know they 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 call them Leah-likes is the term for it now (laughs) Uh, it's too much (laughs) oh my gosh I think the I think the, the the names for them is the part that's really killing me. It's the it's the Leah likes. I think they really just tickled the funny bone there. So that's kind of um, so like a lot of those end up getting made also throughout Wonderful. this time, uh, and South Korea also ends up making them as well. And yeah, they're just these like cheap schlocky martial arts film where they think they can put someone on there that looks like <laughs> enough like Bruce Lee. Oh, Yes, yes, please. They're not even... It's what they had before deepfakes. Exactly, exactly. They knew what they were doing. You know, they knew exactly that this is what you wanted. They were going to give it to you. You know, everybody can be happy right now. And I guess this kind of hints that this appetite existed. Yeah. You know what I mean? They made a whole genre out of it. If enough of... So many countries were involved. It wasn't like just a few studios were doing this. Like, <laughs> or just one studio was still really trying to trying to. Oh, look at them try! Like, no, everybody was like, "This thing is working. Let's milk this cash cow." <laughs> Get that money. Oh, that was that was great. Uh, what was the first word again? The the Bruce Bruce exploitation, <laughs> like black exploitation. Uh, Bruce exploitation. Yeah. Uh, I want to see it written down. Perfect. Oh my gosh, you have it written down. <laughs> it says so many letters. Delightful. <laughs> so that's a little bit of of some some stuff that I wanted to throw out there. I also wanted to throw out some background on our author because Joy Luck Club is an adaptation. Yes. I wanted to throw out some information on our author, Amy Tan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Tan was born February 19th, 1952 in Oakland, California. She grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and lived in a dozen houses uh, across several years leading up to like her high school years. A dozen? Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, She loses her father and brother at the age of 15. Oof. Um... Her mother ends up becoming sort of like a a life is too short, what if people miss out on life kind of person. And she decides that the family needs to go on a trip. And so she takes her, uh, her, herself, and uh, her younger brother to Switzerland. And they end up spending a protracted... They go to Europe across multiple places, but they end up landing at large in Switzerland. Mm Mm-hmm. And while there, she ends up almost eloping and involved in a drug bust. Uh, wow! Uh, she attends multiple universities and ends up graduating and leaving school with a BA in English and an MA in linguistics. Um, she starts working in business in, in 1983, and then she starts writing fiction in 1985. Uh, okay. All of her early works are 
little shorts that are published in literary magazines and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And she starts getting published in 86. Okay. And uh, from there, she finds an agent. She publishes some of these, like, sort of little short vignette stories and has this idea of maybe doing more with them. Goes on a trip in 1987 to China with her mother and comes back to multiple offers to take some of her shorts and add more and make the Joy Luck Club novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she writes the novel and it's published in 1989. Okay. It ends up being a bit of a, of a sort of surprise bestseller and spends 40 weeks or more, or a little bit over 40 weeks at, uh, uh, atop the New York Times bestseller list. Wow. Uh, she's, of course, gone on to write other things and do a lot more. Some of her other written works include The Kitchen God's Wife, The Opposite of Fate, and Sagwa. And uh, she also wrote a novel called The Bonesetter's Daughter, which ended up getting adapted into an opera. And she wrote the libretto for, um, for the opera. Wow. Yeah, so that's a little bit of background on, on Amy Tan. You know, you saying, um, she started writing, like, vignettes and such makes sense when, like, thinking about the, the movie itself. Oh, yeah. Little, little stories here and there that, like, are just, like, kind of, you know, stitched together through, like, a, I guess, like, a, like, a setting in a place, you know? No, Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, because that leads us into the Joy Luck Club, Perfect. which is what we're here to talk about. Yes, we are. So the book, Joy Luck Club, is 16 interlocking stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, 16? Uh, eight women, two stories a pop. Okay. And it's broken up into uh, four parts. And... Each part is dedicated either to the daughters or to the mothers. Okay. So the four parts are Feathers from a Thousand Lee Away, 26 Malignant Gates, American Translation, and Queen Mother of the Western Skies. Okay. Uh, the novel has also been adapted to a play. Mm-hmm. Wayne Wang, the director, ended up reading the book, and he was a huge fan. And so very shortly after the book came out, he approached her and talked to her about wanting to adapt it mm-hmm. into, a, into a film. They started working on, on getting a script worked out, working with a company. They ended up working with a company that was affiliated with Oliver Stone, and Amy Tan and Oliver Stone ended up having to like settle some beef. Uh, and so they, they, they work on this sort of script process. It's not really coming together because apparently you're, you're raising the eyebrow at 16. The novel was kind of considered on a certain level to be almost impossible to adapt because so much of it is so emotional and so in the characters' heads and, 
And so what subtext and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, honestly. That it was considered almost impossible to really accurately tell this story. And so they end up having a bit of a hard time figuring it out. And they bring in Ronald Bass. And he comes in, reads the novel, writes an opinion on it, and presents sort of how he would do it. And they end up taking his ideas on board, and then Ronald Bass and Amy Tan end up writing the the final draft of the script. Okay. Uh, it ends up getting he the things that he implements are the farewell party that ends up structuring like the last half of the movie, the like mm-hmm. farewell party for for June, and he added in all of the narration. Mm-hmm. To help shorten distance between emotional events and things like that. Interesting. And so, uh, it's like I said, the first major Hollywood production with an entirely Asian cast. They get to work on making the movie. They're looking for people to um, pick it up and, and work with it. And they end up coming in contact with Disney at the time through one of the Disney subsidiaries, but Disney nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And Disney goes completely on board with it. And they sign on to it. They give it full creative control. And actually, Janet Yang, who was working on the film at the time and getting Disney to sign on, said of Disney's acquisition of Joy Luck Club at the time, quote... We were surprised at first, but in retrospect, it makes sense. Joy Luck Club fit with Disney's agenda taking a chance on low-budget projects not dependent on star power. Wow. Remember when that was Disney's agenda? I do remember that. Yeah. I feel like that's the entire Disney channel. And so I really enjoyed going back and finding hard evidence of of how much the mindset has shifted. Has shifted. Ridiculous. And uh, filming began in October 92 and ended in March of 93. And it was released September 8th, 1993. Wow. It has a runtime of two hours, 19 minutes. Uh, it is directed by Wayne Wang, who is uh, kind of a standout uh, Asian American filmmaker as well. He's mm-hmm. he's one of the biggins. Uh, it is written by, like I said, Ronald Bass and Amy Tang, or Tan. It stars uh, Q Chin as Si Wan, Sai Chin as Lindo. France Nguyen as Ying Ying, Lisa Liu as An Mei, Ming-Na Wen as June, Tamlin Tomita as Waverly, Rosalind Chow as Rose, and Lauren Tom as Lena. And the plot is the life histories of four East Asian women and their daughters reflect and guide each other. Hmm. So, dear... What did you think of The Joy Luck Club? Were you familiar with the movie at all? Were you familiar with the book? So the name 
Sounds vaguely familiar. Echoed somewhere in the distance. Yeah, exactly. But, Showed up um, on a reading list somewhere. Yeah, or like, you know, something that like, maybe my mom like mentioned one time. Maybe she and, did as like a book club thing. Yeah, you know, something like that. But I I had no idea about this like very vast like history of like the, the making of it or any of that. I'd never heard of this book before and I didn't know that it was a movie and sure as hell did not know then what the what it was going to be about um could i have guessed that it was going to be about four east asian women and their daughters um no no not at all i i don't know i i guess maybe if i had to guess just by the name of it uh joy luck club Sounds like one of those those trip movies where um, somebody Sisterhood goes... of the Traveling Pants kind of thing. Or um, like, woman gets her groove back in her 50s. Oh, I see where you're at, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and goes off to Italy. Eat, pray, love. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking that this was going to be like. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's In not case at all. anyone is curious. It's if it's anything at all, like, eat, pray, love... It's, it's not. not. It's not like that at all. Um, and boy, howdy, we we ran into this one, and I was like, "Wow, this movie is kind of depressing." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like, not in a bad way. I think that they do a lot of the drama really well, but this movie is dramatic, and there's just there's just no two bones about it. Like that that's that's the base essence of this movie is it's, it's a drama it is it truly truly is it is it's kind of melodramatic in parts honestly or like not in a bad way not in like an obnoxious like actual um soap opera kind of way but in a in a very like everything is like heightened you know everybody is on edge every emotion is like right there at the cusp and one one wrong word and somebody's going to be in tears or in hysterics or something, you know, like emotions are knocking at the door for this like whole movie. And again, not like in a bad way, but like it was just, again, wasn't what I was expecting at all, you know? Um, so we, we follow this like kind of, I, uh, my best way to describe it is very like vignette story of like going through each of these um, women's lives and their relationships with their their mothers, if they're the daughters, or you know, uh, it's it jumps all over the timeline. Yeah, it kind of what ends up happening is it's almost sort of like Tampopo, where there's very obviously these pass offs. Yeah, it's you kind can of... very clearly tell. <laughs> Yes, and when you say very clearly, it is so obvious because, the, like, a monologue and a scene will end and, like, the lighting will shift and the music will, like, do a thing and then out of nowhere, it'll start to, like, randomly focus on another character and I'll be like, is it her turn? And then it'll be like, when I was a girl. <laughs> and then, and then the, the roller coaster would begin again. Or someone will come by and drop some sort of line and the person will be like, hmm but not always. And it'll and be like, oh, there. <laughs> there it is. It's right there. It's them. It's, and it's... that vague answer, they're about to figure out, we're about to figure out what, what, what's behind it, you know? Um, And like, I, I guess for me, I feel like there were too many storylines. There were just, there was so much information to hold on to. And you would spend like, you know, 15, 20 minutes 
on a storyline just for like that not to really matter it would like give you more information about the person themselves but like and like kind of how we got to this point I guess but like I just don't understand how literally four different family units can almost be exactly the same in like the way that they are they're broken down I guess like the the very basis like mother was a was a bad mother because she had a bad childhood and raised her child to 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 be different than that but then they ended, they ended up becoming their mother and becoming like a bad mom and like having bad relationships and like by the end like everybody is like you know cordial and has figured out their their stuff through just like weird I guess family on family therapy you know it's like what if therapy was just something that you got from a good cry with your mom no it's very much a sort of what if catharsis was you just sort of ramrod confronting it sort of bluntly yeah and um, whatever sort of came of that which in this case was always good mm-hmm. fixed the relationship exactly yeah um and i just felt like because there were so many storylines and so many times when we kept doing the same kind of like and then now there's another sad tale about someone who had a bad childhood that it got it got to be really hard to figure out who was who at a certain point like I needed these people to almost like hold up signs with their names on them at a certain point because we just we would go back in time we would go like into normal time and and they would have there this cast is enormous because everybody had to have a child version and like a middle person and then their person now and like I couldn't of course this book was a nightmare to try and make into a movie like it's it's chaos I I wouldn't even know where to begin with breaking this thing down and like trying to trying to to do this. I might have broken it down to maybe three families, maybe even two. I think that cutting it in half was was a generous bite. Well, um I think here's the thing. So, I really first off, I I was not overly familiar with the movie or the book. Again, I I had heard of it but just in the sense of hearing of it. Yeah. And so coming to it, I didn't really know much more than vague idea of the plot. Oh, you had more than I did. And and it was not a lot. It was it was essentially like it's a family drama about like mothers and daughters, and that was essentially like all that I had, kind mm. of. And so sitting down and, and finally cracking it out. You know, it's two hours 19, and and I think to your point, I think that that, um, Bass came in, and when he read that thing, he was like, "It, it is undoable, you know? And I think that his idea was, if I can tie it to this central location in the present, then I can connect what's happening at this point of the movie to the opening story of the movie Mm -hmm. and kind of make that an easier piggyback transition sort of move off because it's all of them reuniting at this one time and going through all of the stuff that recently happened in the daughter's lives that brought them to here. 
And yeah. I think that, that that works theoretically, but I think to your point, again, it is too much. I think it's it's a lot to put down into two hours and 19 minutes. We're not even talking two and a half hours where it was a long movie, but we had good time with these people. We're talking two hours and 19 minutes for eight characters to all have their own story time. Let me do... Hold on. Let me do quick math. It's like 17 minutes and some change. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. Everybody gets like 20 minutes. I was and just so... kind of like rounding. Um, it's, to your point, it's lightning fast to set up a person's life, the circumstance of why it's bad now, and resolve it for all of them in 17 minutes. And I could have gotten rid of a lot of, like, the the drama that was happening in the present, um, with June's whole storyline. Um, I could have, I could have gotten rid of all of that and, like, saved myself a lot of, like, time because after watching it, I think that it's, it's, it's a nice ending, but I also, like, we could have found a, a different way to put a bow on this. No, we could have found a different way, but also I think what I was going to say was I think that you needed to either do one of two things. I think you either needed to commit to it being, like, you know, a TV show. And maybe that wasn't an option at the time or wasn't something they were interested in at the time. Um, but I think that it could have either been, I think that it could work better as a TV show where you get like an episode a person. Yeah, you get like a whole hour with a person. Mm-hmm. Or even if you just give them 30 to 45 minutes, mm-hmm. that's nice and neat, you know. Whereas I think if you're going to do a movie, I think you need to kind of find some story beats you need to look across the board at all of them and go, what do I think are the most important emotional beats for this through line that's underpinning this party idea? Mm-hmm. And I think that that involves you then having to go through and and cut a lot of stuff and end up tying a lot more of your anchor, anchor narrative to June her mom, and then probably a little bit more so um, Auntie Lindo and Waverly, her rival, and we make that our driving force of the narrative, and we we trim, no offense to our other two storylines of um, uh, Rose and Lena and Ying Ying and An Mei, and we trim some of those, and we focus in more on this core for women. No, yeah, because, like, I think that everybody's life was, like, just tragic for, for, um, it just, it just, it, it just didn't feel, I guess, like, some things, like, I totally understood, like, what they were trying to do, but to your point, I think that it would have been more effective in, like, a longer format, like, a TV show, you know, everybody getting an episode, or, like, every mother-daughter pair, getting an episode together so that that way they can we can go through both of their 
uh, backstories and then go into, you know, their recent history and, like, get to resolve that bow. And then we get to the dinner party that could be, like, the last episode where everybody is finally, like, shed off their baggage and can have a good time. Or even every episode opens and closes with the dinner party. Oh, but from a different perspective. Yeah. From, like, who we were with that episode. No, I like that as well. I think that, um... But I also think that, to your point, for the movie's sake, I, I do agree that, like, June and Waverly and their mothers were, like, the the main focus. The the rivalry of the the mom who started the group, June's mom. Mm-hmm. And her and best Lindo, friend. And her best friend, and how they had this constant one-upsmanship. And then the daughters and how the woman who started it and who, who was the head of the group, the leader of the group, really, you know, mm-hmm. on a certain level, you know, her daughter is now this kind of awkward, doesn't know what she's doing with her life, really hasn't figured everything out yet person. Mm-hmm. Was doing know. freelance before it was cool. Uh, and, and Waverly is ultra put together and and throwing June a bone and, mm-hmm. you know, has kind of, is more domineering, but also really isn't necessarily any more in control of anything than, than June actually is. No, yeah, and then we could have, like, pushed the other two to, like, having just, like, smaller mm-hmm. bites, I think, that, like, I, I mean, I really enjoyed, um... Oh gosh, which 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 sister is it? Um Was it was it Rose? Um the 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 one who had the the failing marriage. Yes. Um I really enjoyed her storyline. I thought that um because it didn't start out I guess exactly like the my mother wanted me to be perfect. So I I mastered this one thing and I was the best at it. Like all Waverly's of the Waverly's other... especially is literally that. Oh yeah, it was just my goodness. And then there was June who was like, "My mother wanted me to be perfect." So I said, "No." <laughs> but I really enjoyed Roses because she she got to um we started with her 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 relationship with her husband instead of it being like or if we did do some children things. I honestly couldn't tell it any at a certain point. Um, but I really enjoyed her, like, evolution of their relationship and them falling in love and then her, like, you know, going through this whole monologue of how she she shut herself down in order to, to fight for his love that, he, that she already had, but, like, in her head it was, like, something that she could lose at any moment. And she had to constantly keep, like, reproving herself to him. And I just thought that that was such an interesting and, um, uh, just, uh, just a touching, like, perspective as well. Because, like, by the time she comes to, to realizing what is, what is going wrong, like, she knows that it's, it was never him. Yeah. It was, it was always something that she was projecting onto him because she was afraid. You know, but also, like, they, they they just didn't talk to each other. And I love the fact that, like, he wanted to be with her. But she kept putting up these walls, you know, to try and save their marriage. And I just thought that that was such an interesting storyline. And I thought that it was a little bit... I thought that it was more interesting, for sure, than the, like, June has twin sisters in China. 
um, storyline, which I was like, oops, if we just, <laughs> just chuck it. <laughs> well, and, and no offense to, to Lena and her whole split the money husband, but also, uh, you know, as far as if we're, if we're looking at this thing as a movie and we're trying to figure out how to streamline this thing and we can't make it long, you know, the mm-hmm. studio we have has to... said we can't make it long, then, then that's probably going to be one of the, the, the earlier ones that I go to to cut is going to be Lena, Lena and her whole, her whole storyline of the, the splitting of the money evenly kind of Honestly, stuff. I totally had forgotten about that one and I was the, the most exciting part for me about that. <laughs> That whole scene was was the the fact that the husband is um the dad from the Goonies. I was like really excited to see that particular actor, and then other than that, I was like, I I my my brain it just there's just so. It was much. also, if I'm not mistaken, in Batman and Robin, he is the one of the two scientists that get frozen at the telescope when Arnold comes to oh, attack. I think he's also in the closer. Uh, and Arnold shows up and is like about to take over the place. And he looks, you know, this guy who's been in the newspaper is like a known, known criminal and goes, who is this nutball? <laughs> <laughs> that is him. <laughs> Perfect. No, so, yeah, that was like the most exciting part for me was just to like see him do something different. Yeah. And then the the rest of the scene was kind of was kind of mute for me. And I don't know. I guess for me it, it it's 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 so much content literally smacked into a movie that is constantly going. There's no real relief from the emotional um baggage of the film. No, because you constantly have to be starting the next story. Yeah, and every story sucks. At the end of the day, they 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 pulled all of the the heartstrings it's, out in this thing. It's not like whether you like this movie or not is irrelevant. It's not like Love Actually, where some of the stories are kind of a little bit lighter and a little bit funnier. Yeah, they've got and some ev- of the stories are yes, a little bit heavier. That's what I mean. I mm-hmm. guess is like. Every story is almost exactly the same, but but so so different that it's hard to just it's literally hard to keep track of whose storyline is is whose. I I couldn't even remember people's names for a while, even, even though every time somebody like came into the room, they were like Waverly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it didn't matter. It didn't matter. They could have been using pronouns the entire time, and I would have been like, yep, I would have been just that much closer to remembering who <laughs> each person was. Um, so if you if you had to rate the Joy Luck Club out of five, what would you give it? Um, I think I'm going to give this movie a three. I'm going to... It's... It, where it where it strides, it, it's doing a great job. I think that the acting is phenomenal. I think that they are doing a great job pulling all of these emotional heartstrings um i just i just think that this movie is 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 hefty i think that it is it's just it's too full of of stuff and honestly it was it's really hard for me to to keep track of just all of the information and like i don't know if even on a second watch that i would be like i've got it yeah exactly 
and I, I understand why people really enjoyed this movie like watching this movie i was like so this movie was nominated for an oscar right yeah you know like you can you can see it you can see it they're monologuing everywhere and everybody's doing a phenomenal job with that but also it's just it's a soap (laughs) it is it's it's abc family soap opera right here no i get where you're at i'll go three and a half okay it definitely tends toward that that melodrama side, but I think that I was really enchanted with a lot that it had to offer, even if I don't think that it executed at all as well as I as I could have liked or felt like it was as focused as, as it could have been. And I, I was honestly also very charmed with all eight women. I thought that all eight of them did a great job. Um, oh, no, yeah, totally. I... <laughs> I agree. I just have to pull a shout out for the dad that came in in the 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 fourth quarter of mm-hmm. the movie that I didn't know that she had a father. I I loved that. Who they, is listed as June's father. June's father. That's, That's how it. you know he's important. That's it. That's yeah. it. That man popped out of absolute nowhere. We had been so focused, so focused on these women that I assumed that all of them had lost their husbands. Like, nobody was still married. And he just popped out of left field. And he was delightful. He was adorable. But June's father. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. Uh, so, moving moving off of Joy the Luck. Joy Luck Club, we now move forward to 2021 with the film Minari. Uh, 2020. 2020, excuse me. Uh, well, it came out... It had its debut in 2020. It was released in the U.S. in 2021. Oh, interesting. Wait, where was it released before? Uh, it made its debut in, like, the film festival circuit. Oh, 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 copy. I was thinking, like, a different country. Uh, so it is written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. And he originally, instead of doing this movie, had wanted to do an adaptation of a book called My Antonia. Um, Chung is a very intelligent man. He's a a part-time professor. He ended up uh, actually being a professor over in... um, over in Asia somewhere. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, But he wanted to make this book, My Antonia, into a movie by Willa uh, Cather. And she does not allow adaptations of her work. Huh. Uh, and with that sort of in mind, he, he wasn't sure what to do. So he decided that he would go and he would pull on some of his own childhood as a baseline for the story. And so he grew up in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And so he went and he just wrote down like a few memories of childhood and was like, okay, these are going to be the basis of the script. Mm-hmm. And, and sort of stitched those together and he used the writing, some of the writing style of, of the author that he was wanting to adapt in sort of constructing the story as well as Dostoevsky. Um, and uh, he wrote it in... English, he had it translated uh, into Korean, and it was picked up for production in 2019. 
Uh, and he did this over a few a few years. It was picked up in 2019. Uh, it was filmed in Tulsa, Oklahoma for 25 days in July of that year. Wow. Uh, it was released in the U.S. February 12, 2021. has a runtime of 1 hour 55 minutes. It was written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. It stars uh, Noel Cho as Anne, uh, Yuri Han as Monica, Alan S. Kim as David, Will Patton as Paul, Stephen Yun as Jacob, and Yun Yu Jung as uh, Sunja. And the plot is a Korean family starts a farm in 1980s Arkansas. And uh, I guess since you started on the last one, I'll take this one away. I'll start us off. This was one that I was very interested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I wasn't on social media at the time, but it was it was one that I was still seeing pop up a lot of places. It was being talked about. And so I certainly had a lot of interest in it, but it was also kind of, you know, weird time Uh, and we weren't, I think, really catching a lot of new stuff at that time. Uh, we're always really terrible about catching new stuff in general, but that's that's beside the point. Well, it's because most of our watching is is for this, and yeah. so it's all in like a, you know, a past thing. <laughs> and so we ended up not catching it, and um, and I was definitely, you know, sort of disappointed about it, and it's it's been one that I've been wanting to circle back to, but but just you know, haven't had the time you know, because when we aren't doing stuff for this, it is either going and catching up on something new or watching something that's an old favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just, it hasn't been one that we've really come back around to. And I was aware of some of the controversy about the movie as well. Um, when it was released or when it was nominated for the golden globes, um, it ended up getting nominated in the, uh, international or like foreign language film category. Because over 50% of the dialogue was in a foreign language. So even though it's set in America and is it about, you know, an American family, it still ended up being in the foreign language category. And it was a whole, whole brouhaha. I mean, understandably, I think that that's, I think that that's fair. I, I mean, I understand why it ended up being put there, but I do not think that that sh- should have, I guess, been its only No, spot. I see where you're at. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so going into it, I, I, again, I knew about as much as that plot implied. Ha! Uh, <laughs> and I knew that I loved Stephen Yun. You know, oh, I, yeah. I loved him from the Walking Dead days. I liked him in Okja. I enjoy his random little appearance in I Think You Should Leave. Oh, I love him in I Think You Should Leave. And so I think that he's I think that he's a great actor. I think that he's a really, really underutilized talent. And so I was really excited to see him in this, especially, you know, really getting a role that he got to got to just take take full full control of and, and be center stage with. Mm-hmm. Just full bite. And, you know, this is this is the polar opposite 
of a movie from the Joy Luck Club as far as, like, they're in the same genre, but they're not the same fucking movie. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, no, it's it's truly, like, night and day um, when it comes to, like... No narration. One story the whole time. Painfully focused in on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, almost, like... Unflinching. It's 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 almost slow compared. Yeah. Like you're you're snail pacing and wrong in this story, not in a bad way at all, but like compared to the Joy Luck Club where we were speed skating the whole time. No, because you're constantly restarting the story, it never feels as slow. Whereas here, they allow you to really sit in some of these like just quiet moments of being a farmer or being a family. Yeah. And the fact that they're so secluded where they are, lean, you know, it leans into it almost like in like nomad land. Yeah. Where, you know, you're just following one, one story, one group of people that are so spread out from society. You know, it, it really felt like they were kind of on their own Island and, and there's nothing but kind of painstaking silence at some points within that, you know, no, yeah, and I absolutely. think that this this did a, a great job at, at at making that feel real for the for the audience as well. No, for sure. And you know, the the movie doesn't have even though the all the, the dialogue is in Korean for the most part, other than a few instances in English, there also just in general really isn't terribly much talking. And our our characters certainly really only, like, communicate when absolutely necessary. And even mm-hmm. then, they sometimes don't really... There, There's a lot of subtext in this movie. There's a lot of stuff not being said mm-hmm. by members of this family mm-hmm. about certain things and about certain ways that they're feeling. And and so, again, kind of also like Joy Luck Club, where where everything was a little bit more direct in its emotions... There's a lot of ambiguity also in this mm-hmm. because certain people are very withdrawn and we have no narration. Yeah. You know, we have nothing telling us what's going on inside of all of their heads. We're really having to sit there and figure out how we feel about what Jacob's doing, how, whether or not we agree with his decision about this farm mm-hmm. and his commitment to this farm mm-hmm. and what he considers like, his American dream and what his cost for that is. No, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I again had really never heard of this movie before. I know that you had talked about it and like, I do vaguely remember you mentioning that like Steven Yeun was in a movie, but like, other than that, um, I had never like looked up this movie before to like look at any of its, of its content beforehand. So again, it was kind of just like a, all right, here we go. It's called this. What's it about? We'll find out. Um, and I was very pleasantly surprised by, by how smooth this movie feels almost like it, it really feels like worn almost, I guess, comfortable. Um, I, I really, I enjoyed the fact that this movie was about um, a couple who were not born in the United States, had very, you know, limited English, depending on, I guess, who the person was. I think that his English was probably better than hers. 
Um, but, um, I think that it, it never felt inauthentic, if that makes sense. Um, and I really enjoyed that about it. It felt like I was, I was watching a Korean family in, in, in normal circumstances, you know, communicate and be bilingual together as a, as a, as a family unit. Well, and I think that's also stemming from the fact that he did choose to, and he talks about the fact that it's personal enough that, that he felt uncomfortable telling his parents about the movie until he had already shot it. That's so interesting. And I, um, when you were talking about the fact that he had pulled memories from his childhood to put into this, I, I instantly had way more questions about the about the film um and it, it, it answered a lot of 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 how i guess this it felt so natural you know it 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 works really well um and i was curious i guess to know like which parts were exactly like his memories and i'm i'm assuming that it's the parts that are circled the most around um david you know cuz mm-hmm. I, I feel like if this is a story about his childhood then the only child that I can pull that from is 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 our really like our our focused our focused child which is David you know um Anne is just the older sibling kind of for the for the most part in this movie he's our beating heart oh my god oh my god you've 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 done figured it out you've done figured out this whole movie (laughs) I love it um I loved grandma yeah. Grandma was so funny. Well, and the, I, the actor had a lot of say in the grandma part. Oh, perfect. She was absolutely fantastic. I loved the fact that, like, David had to had to share a room with his grandma, who he's never met before, who lived in Korea, and, like, what the what the what that implied for him in his, like, what, what would you say, like, an eight-year-old brain? Oh, maybe. You um, know? He might have been six. Like, I just, just a smaller child, you know, I felt like maybe, maybe Anne was 12, 10, 10, 12. Yeah, I was thinking like that, that age more so. Um, But I absolutely loved this, like, their relationship and him being like, you don't act like a grandma. And she's like, oh, how does, how does a grandma act? And the fact that she's like teaching these kids how to, how to basically play poker, you know? It's just, it's just absolutely fantastic. And she's over here calling them bastards as she puts her cards down. You know, it's, it's absolutely just, just wonderful. And I just really enjoyed the, the thinking about this being Monica's mother and like how different she was from her mother, but like how also like she wanted her to come as like a, almost like a symbol of home. And I just, this movie was just so lived in and so comfortable and I just I really I really felt like a fly on the wall on on real um you know on a real family drama that isn't like over over amped in the how crazy can we get category you know nobody dies in this <laughs> you know what I mean what but there were times it's very where... somber mm-hmm. the 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 stakes are the same yeah. In a lot of these stories, right? Like in, in some of the stories with 
with like Rose and things like that. What was at stake was herself, her marriage, etc. What here is at stake for Jacob and Monica a lot of the time are their personal stakes, their marriage, you know? And so it's the same sort of grounded story, but you're right. The most, the most dramatic event that happens in the entire movie happens in the literal, like, last few minutes of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. And honestly, like, one, I... And no one dies. Yeah, no one dies. Um, that the Joy Luck Club starts where someone is dead. <laughs> there's, <laughs> you know? more, there's more on-screen violence and character death in uh, Concrete Cowboy. Mm-hmm than there is here and concrete cowboy is another pretty quiet pretty slow movie it's also a family drama yeah um i just yeah i really um also like i guess because i'm so used to watching him in the the, the walking dead i had no idea that steven yun like spoke korean it spoke it that well you know to to do a whole movie you know it i guess i i I he's never had a had a had a reason to in the things that I've watched him in, and I guess I just you know I just assumed he couldn't you know. Well, and Yuri Han is from South Korea, and she thought that she wasn't going to be able to do the movie, and so she had suggested another uh, another actor from South Korea for the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she ended up still being able to come on and 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 do the role. But she felt that it was important, you know, that it be a, a South Korean woman um, and a South Korean actor that, that get the part. And so she she went and, like, picked out her own sort of, like, replacement had she not been able to, to do it. I think that that's, I think that that's amazing, you know. I, again, I just, I, I loved, I loved watching this kind of, like, you don't really get to see this age range I guess of a family does that make sense you know it's usually like older parents with older children or younger parents with younger children it was kind of interesting to see these like I would say they were in like their 40s with their like you know late 30s early 40s yeah you know they were gosh you know not too far off from like where we are now but like if we had had kids in our early 20s yeah you know, it, it just trying to figure it out, and it 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 kind of works out perfect that this movie came out in the middle of COVID because it also kind of feels just like a COVID Very movie a little isolated. bit. Yeah. Um. Let's. Uh. Gosh, there's so many other people also in this movie other than the the family that. Um. Oh gosh, where 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 is he? Will Patton. Will Patton as, from Halloween. Yes, as Paul, this like evangelical um, seer of spirits, and just a just slash a, farm handyman. Exactly, and gosh, he does such a good job. It's such a different part. I loved watching him in this movie. It was so weird, but like in a kind of like an endearing way. It, it, you know, it's, it's a big turnaround from him being, I'm going to blow this motherfucker's brains out. <laughs> no, honestly. Yeah. Where he's just like, oh gosh, this weird ritual of carrying the cross. I, every do, Sunday, do, do people do that? I don't know if people do that, but I understand it. It's like a weird form of meditation. 
Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, I guess, going for a run, but in, like, a different way. It's like a, it's a headspace thing, you know, you've got to, you've got to carry this big cross. You have to, you've got to meditate, you know, the burden of, of Christ a little bit. Yeah, and I think that that's probably more of what it is, you know, understanding the hardship instead of just, just sitting in church, I guess. And listening to some weird guy just spout off some stuff because also we do see the church side this movie's really interesting and that's the other thing about this this movie you know versus uh the joy luck club is that since we are so hyper focused on this movie is and we are slice of lifing it really examining everything about this family at this time we even examine what it's like for them to go to church at this time mm-hmm. in this place rural 80s arkansas and it's it's a little bit of an odd place, and their their pastor is a little bit of an odd, odd guy. Oh my gosh! When he <laughs> literally like forces them to stand in the middle of like a sleepy southern church, like nobody cares. And so it's it's quite the it's quite the thing, and and you can really go in and explore all of these things and all of these avenues. And look at all of these these interactions and and mine them also for, you know, this being one of the only ways that they're interacting with the outside world either. Yeah, because again, they're so isolated on the farm. And we don't follow the kids to school because that's not important. No, and honestly, like, it it got to the point where I wasn't sure if the children were actually, like, going to school or not. Yeah. You know, because it was the whole the whole issue of like who's watching the children. Yeah. You know, I for for a little bit there I was like maybe maybe either a it's summer and there is no school and they're just taking this bus to the church or b these kids aren't in school and so they're just kind of because of how nomadic their their lifespan lifestyle has been, you know. It's it's just a, it's a really heartfelt movie and it it feels it in like in every in every bit um i love the fact that it's it's called minari after the fact because i don't i didn't know what minari was it's it's a plant for people who do not know that that is used in a lot of um meals and it it basically grows like a weed it's called like i think like water drop celery is another name for it okay okay cool i've never i've never seen this before i've, I've you know it's it's not at the Harris Teeter, so I mean maybe it, it maybe it is I don't know probably not, um, but I loved the fact that it was kind of like this weird symbol almost and like a la- like a saving grace. It was just it was just a beautiful beautiful story that like even in even at the the worst of times there's there's always hope I think mm-hmm. is like the kind of the takeaway from this movie is like without hope you have nothing yeah and like sometimes you have to work for it and and, but but hope you have to you have to sow it into the ground yeah you have to you have to sow it in your family it's 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 it was it's just a beautiful story honestly i really enjoyed this movie a lot so if you had to rate minari out of five what would you give it um i think i'm gonna give this movie a four and a half um i I think that that this movie is is unexpected and 
really just touching truly to watch um I think that it 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 is a, a wonderfully crafted film and honestly like I don't I don't even know why I took the the half star off um I've been trying to like wrap my head around why I why I said four and a half now um I mean you can change it you know what? I I think that I will. I think I, this this movie is is a is a delightfully perfect film. It's it's a perfect representation for me of like what this genre is. Um I was I was completely, you know, engrossed in this movie the entire time. I I had no idea where it was going to go. I had no idea what the story had in for me. And that was that's with all the movies that we watch, it's always nice to to kind of go blind for a little bit and to just watch a film. No, for sure, I I'll go a five as well. I was I was very impressed with the movie. I thought that it it was to your point incredibly well done, and and I really don't have a lot of a lot of of anything bad really to say about it. I mean, it is sometimes. L- you know, it it feels like we said longer sometimes, mm-hmm. but I I think that that's absolutely intentional. I don't I don't think that he's necessarily trying to make something that feels like a fun romp, an easy watch. You know, I'm not sure that he's trying to make something hard, but he's also not trying to make something that is, um, forgettable. Yeah, you know. And and playing with time and, and making the audience sit with it can also make them sit with emotions and feelings and thoughts for a little bit. And so I think that it works. Um, and I really enjoyed the movie a lot. I thought that the entire cast did great. And so I, I was really pleased with it. No, yeah. Um, I thought that I would be really distracted by it being Steven Yeun and it, him being literally the, the main character like of the of the film. You know, he's he's the dad. He's the one making the farm. But it was just... It was so nice to like get to see this obviously this this very talented actor like just get to play for a little bit yeah just to get to get to, to get to act the the shit out of this <laughs> no I completely agree I guess that just about wraps us up to close out the show we'll of course usually talk about what we what we talk about what we're watching mm-hmm. Um, I've watched 42. Last week you had watched it. Yes, 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 yes. This week I watched 42. It is a great movie. Um, and everyone does really do a a tremendous job. Um, we also recently watched Drag Me to Hell, uh, which is just a, it's a fucking batshit banana balls. It's a Sam Raimi movie through and through. And if you don't know, you know, Sam Raimi, he did Spider-Man, he did the original Evil Dead films, um, and he is just a, he has a lot of flair, um, and a lot of visual flair, and he's a really, really unique story, storyteller and filmmaker, 
And he's a guy who who is willing to live in camp and melodrama as authentically as he wants to. Oh, yeah, but also like that's the whole that's the whole play of it. You know, the whole thing is supposed to be like hyper aware of itself almost in a in a certain extent. Yeah. No, absolutely crazy ride. It kind of reminded me a little bit of everything everywhere all at once, but like if instead of it being the from the perspective of the the person on the other side of the table, like it's it's the perspective of the person working. Yeah. You know, um, gosh, I felt like this movie was exactly what I do almost every day at work. It was hilarious. I was like, wow, look at just a different version of (laughs) of what I do. You know, a different, a different boring mathematical job that, that for any normal person means nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But beyond that, not terribly much that we've been watching. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't gotten to to watch anything. We've been a little bit busy lately. I haven't really been watching that much. Um, so I guess we'll move on to news. Mm-hmm. Do we want to do the personal news now, or do we want to do the media news? Um, I guess let's do media news. Okay, so the media news. Um, the first bit is, of course, Hayden Panettiere is returning for Scream Six. She's Woo! bringing back the Kirby character. Delightful. Uh, I couldn't be more stoked. I love the Kirby character. She is the standout new character of Scream 4. Um, And I was devastated when her character, I guess seemingly, spoiler alert maybe, died on on screen. But I guess she's back now. Well, honestly, it's not a Scream movie if they don't casually give you a throwback in an unexpected way. And so I'm so pumped to have her back. She's... She's such a great character, and Hayden Panettiere could have been such a great scream queen. She was really doing a lot of horror stuff for a little bit of a run there, and she could have been such a, you know, such a kick-ass scream queen with Scream 4 being... Honestly, like, her her career kind of just tapered a little bit for a while there. I think that she kind of walked away from the screen, but I'm hoping that this, of her being in um, Scream 6, will will be kind of like a a resurgence of her career and we'll get to see more of more of um more of her acting again because i think that she's fantastic um her her bring it on movie is like not my least favorite of the bring it on sequels which is really saying something because there's 50 of them (laughs) you know there aren't as many bring it on sequels as there are airbud sequels i mean that's fair but airbud hasn't been a musical yet so that we know of Perfect. I've got the perfect dog to audition right downstairs. Uh, you got the pipes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Gemma for Broadway. Uh, the next little bit of news that I wanted to bring up was another little bit of, of casting news, which was that uh, Shuti Gatwa from Sex Education has been announced as the new doctor. Uh, he's going to be the Doctor Who, that is. Uh, he's going to be the 14th <laughs> Doctor. I love the way that you you kind of like alley-ooped it up into your own joke. <laughs> uh and uh he's he's a younger doctor. Um you know, more in line with like a Matt Smith, you know, in his 30s kind of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um I don't watch Doctor Who. I'm 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 one of those people who's always like, "Oh, that's an interesting doctor. Maybe I'll watch." And then never does. And then never do it. Oh, uh, my gosh. So, um, 
I watch I've watched the 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 new version of of Doctor Who because like honestly I don't even know where you would be able to find the old Doctor Who episodes anymore. I tried I tried watching, but um, I guess whatever streaming service I was using at the time only had like three episodes here and there of like each of the doctors and i was like well that's that's bullshit i'm just going into the middle of a of a whole storyline like i don't know i literally don't know what's going on you're just giving me the the greatest hits album version of like the old doctors so i i've watched all of them um i i kind of dropped off on this this last doctor just because i haven't um we just you know we just haven't done it we just haven't watched them and so i probably watched like half of half of her run um, but this is exciting. This is exciting news. This is this is a first, obviously, for Doctor Who to ever have um, a black uh, gay man being uh, the being the Doctor. That's a it's a first. It's a lot of firsts here. I mean, I don't know. I guess about the the whole the sexuality thing. I don't know the sexuality of some of those past Doctors, and maybe they didn't either. I love that. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. The start the show started in the 60s. Um but no this is this is I'm I'm curious to see how how he brings like his own personal flair kind of to the doctor because each doctor has their has their has their look. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm curious to see especially with these photos that I'm seeing right now with like bleached blonde hair and like this fun open cut suit and stuff like I'm I'm curious to see the I'm 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 here for the fashion, um, <laughs> but I think that it's also going to be a lot of fun, and it 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 usually always is. So I'll I'll give them a go, just just like the rest of us, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure, I'll save my my last little fun bit of casting news for for the last piece of media news. Okay. Uh, the next thing that I wanted to bring up was they dropped the new trailer for Westworld season four. <gasps> Ooh, exciting! Um, I've watched it. It it doesn't give a lot. And we are not going to the apocalypse, it appears, that they promised at the end of the last one. You know, um, season three sort of ended with that cliffhanger jump forward in time, and we aren't there yet. Okay, well maybe we'll, we'll work our way there by the end of the season. So, but you know, um, Aaron Paul's back. I didn't think he was going to come back. I thought that that character's story was kind of done, but no, he's yeah, it back. did. It did feel that way. I mean, they didn't obviously yeah. write him out as much as they did. Um... Oh gosh, what's her name? Tandy Doom. No, no, the 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 main chick. Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I knew she's. A... I think bad. Really? Because they, they made her um, Tessa Thompson at oh, the end no, of the last one. Oh, no, that's right, one. that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Is Tessa Thompson coming back? Yeah. Oh, wow, I thought that she she had officially become too famous for Westworld. Um, Ed Harris, of course. Oh, perfect. Um, so, it, it looks, it, it didn't give a lot. You know, it's a typical teaser, especially for Westworld. It doesn't give a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, the show itself, you really can't be defined by a, a, by a teaser alone. No. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. We'll have to give that a watch. Yes. Um, the last piece of news that I wanted to bring up, which which broke today, uh, just before we were recording, they have added another cast member to Dune Part 2. Okay. So, uh, you know, there's the, the, the main 
people that we saw in Dune answer to the Emperor, right? The Harkonnen and also the, uh, uh, I'm blanking on. It's fine. The other ones. All answer to the Emperor. Mm Mm-hmm. They've cast the Emperor. Amazing. Christopher Walken. Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my god! Oh, it's gonna be perfect. Yeah. Uh, I just want to listen to his voice the entire time. I'm gonna close my eyes. I don't know what he's gonna do. We've never seen... We ha- Well, we've not never. We haven't seen... In a Chris while. Walken really do something like this in a minute. Ah, oh, this is... <laughs> I'm so pumped. Ah, oh, I can't... Uh, this is the only reason I'm putting it down on record Christopher Walken is the only reason I want to watch the next Dune movie. <laughs> That's it. That's it right there. He's the emperor, so. <laughs> he is the emperor. I knew it was going to be something fantastic. I thought that you were going to tell me it was going to be like Jeff Goldblum or something, which no. would again also be fantastic. It's almost as good. It is. It is. Oh, uh, gosh. You know, the, the next, I think, best for, for Christopher Walken would have been for me, um, Willem Dafoe. I would have been like, mm. sign me up for some Willem Dafoe. No, that's fair. Always sign up for Willem. Always. Willem, Willem, Willem. So that's our last bit of media news. Do we want to do personal news and then we'll let our our dear listeners go? So as far as personal news, uh, you know, I I work beyond Film Buds. I put a lot of work into Film Buds, but I also, of course, work beyond Film Buds. And uh, I recently got hired on... Uh, I'm not going to tell you about, like, the the job itself. It's it's money and and tax and, and... and that sort of thing. So it's dreadfully, dreadfully uninteresting. But uh, I'm going to go and, and get started on a new job. And it's going to be beginning at the end of this month. It might mean that June only has one movie uh, a week. Just until I really start to get, you know, comfortable with the job and and transition into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I'm still obviously going to keep doing the show. Yes, no, the show isn't going anywhere. But uh yeah, I'm I'm I've got some money coming in. If anything, some money coming in will hopefully make uh decent money, I mean, you know. Uh will will hopefully make the the show better. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll we'll, we'll put it into the things that we love. Yeah. Uh and then Lauren, yes. do, you, do you want to share it or do you want me to share it? Or? Sure. Um I can I can I can share. I got a I got a promotion. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> So out of nowhere, we've we've gone from you know just just having film buds to to both of us being working working adult people. Yeah. <laughs> and you know the pandemic has been the pandemic has been hard for so many people in so many different ways and has affected everybody in um you know innumerable ways still affecting yes um and the the pandemic really really kind of shook us personally off of off of the expected path i guess i will say um but but this is this is exciting at least (laughs) this is exciting for us you know it's 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 getting back on the on on the where we want it to be at this point in our lives um and it's, it's, it's a, it's a, these are good things. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, whether or not you're excited for us, we're excited for us. And that's all that matters. <laughs> you know, we hope that you're doing well. Uh, but if you're also having a hard time, you know, you're, you're certainly not alone. We have been there through hard times. We're just having a, a celebration now, you know, hard times come and go. Well, yeah, um, and, but, um, the but hard is... times make the, the times that, that aren't hard mm-hmm. stand out that much more. And so, you know, this is, this is a good thing and, uh, and, and we're happy to, to share it with y'all. Yes, 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 yes. This is, this is breaking news, hot off the presses. Literally today, both of these things happened. Yeah. Almost within an hour of each other. It, it was, it was crazy how quickly... <laughs> How quickly those dominoes fell. Honestly, if if I if I had planned it out any more perfect, like it wouldn't have worked. Exactly, exactly. So that's all that we have for y'all this week. Please go and follow us on our socials. They're all linked down below. Send us a question uh, at the filmbudspodcast gmail dot com. Um, check out last week's episode, The Way of the Dragon. Uh, it was a, it was a great episode and that's pretty much all that I have for y'all. Dear, do you have anything else that you want to leave the, the listener with? Um, I don't know. I mean, have a, have a good time. Um, thanks for, thanks for, If you're if you're a return listener, thank you for coming back and and giving us another go. If if you're a new listener, welcome, welcome. Um, we've got so many more things from the past. We've got so many new things for the future. Um, it's it's been a blast, honestly, getting to do this every week for you guys. And thank you so much for 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 giving us a listen, for giving us a chance, for for giving us your ear. You know, it's, it's truly an honor. No, well said. And without any further ado, we'll go ahead and let y'all get along with your day. Y'all have a good one. And we'll talk to y'all next week when we do some documentary film. Ooh, documentaries. I'm not sure if we've ever done a documentary on the show at all. Um, the only, I mean, the, we did the docuseries about 9-11. That's true. That is true. Um, but we haven't done any, like, documentary movies, I suppose, No, I don't think so. So this will be a little bit of a first. It's, it's definitely either way a limited kind of thing. We don't do documentary often, so definitely come back next week for that. And, uh, stay safe out there, y'all. Bye! Bye.